Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church, welcome to Election Day and the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Pastor Michael, what do we want to say about this election? I would like to make an announcement. I'm going to tell our audience. <laughs> oh, no, you're not going to tell them who you're going to vote for. Who I'm voting oh, for. Oh, Michael, please don't. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You know why? We, oh. need to, we need to spread our influence wide here. Yeah, right? it, it and, may uh, go very shallow, though. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> if you mention gonna, anyone here. I'm going to say the name of the of the human being that I'm going to vote for. You ready for it? And then and then I'd like you I, I to follow gonna, suit you and want tell me, me who to do you're going to vote for also. And we'll see if we're on the same page. We're gonna be at, we might be at each other's throat before right. this. Before this podcast even begins. And then what we're going to do is we're going to make a prediction. And uh, <laughs> we're going to – so there'll be who we are going to vote for. And then there's going to be who we think will actually okay. All right. win. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah, okay. ready. All right. I will be voting for – I cannot believe you just said that. Why, why don't you tell me who I, you – I cannot believe <laughs> you said that on the air. I cannot believe you told our listeners – who you're going to be voting for. See, they all think he's young, he's liberal, yeah. he's trendy. Of course, oh he's going to do that thing, but he's also conservative. And everybody thinks they know who I'm going to vote for. And then I drop that bomb and they're yeah. like, what? I, I, I'm almost speechless. I'm right. stuttering here. I can't believe. Why are you not voting for? Why would I? A much better candidate. Every time I think I have you in a box. You blow that box open with dynamite, <laughs> like a good Kentuckian hillbilly, oh, and then right. you pull sure. out a rifle with a straw hat, only wearing shotgun. A shotgun with <laughs> a straw hat, only wearing overalls. Okay, yeah, so, yeah that's true. Okay, yeah. all right. Wow, interesting. All right, so who are you going to be voting for? Wow. Yeah, I think if the majority of Village Church heard that, I don't know if they would let you be their pastor. <laughs> I would say the same thing about your choice <laughs> and who you would be voting for. Uh, wow. Well, clearly we're on different pages. I love you no matter what. Yes. All right. So let's talk about the question of the day. And okay. At the end of the podcast, we'll make A prediction. Okay. Done. All right. So All right, good. question. So here's our question for today. Is it a sin for Christians to have insecurities? I have so many thoughts. So I have a hunch that when we get to heaven, the concept of insecurity will be completely gone. Oh, sure. Insecurity is typically, we'll say socially, about my feeling less than a socially acceptable standard. Mm. And that's one level of insecurities. There's another level of insecurities, which I would call relational insecurities, where let's say I'm married to somebody and I'm supposed to have a level of confidence that this relationship is secure or unshakable or unmovable. But I know deep down in my heart that there is a high possibility that this relationship could end. Ooh. For example, okay. somebody might be in a marriage. We know people like this. They're sure in a marriage. Yeah. And they don't have the confidence that the other their spouse is going to stay with them for the rest of their life. That is an insecure relationship. Typically, though, whether you're talking about relational insecurity or social insecurity, all of these issues of insecurity are going to be gone in the new heaven, the new earth, we were going we mm -hmm. to have complete security with our groom, who is Jesus. There is going to be no threat of loss of his love. Sin will be eradicated from the world. Justice will prevail. 
my body will be perfected. I will not be comparing myself to your body or somebody else's or my soul or what, all mm-hmm. that other stuff that comes with right. insecurity. Now, there's a difference between will I have it then and is it a sin for me to have it now? And this is where I think yes. there has to be a distinction. I can say that something inside of me is a result of my sin condition, but it may not be a sin that I am committing. Sure. For example, I believe my bald head (laughs) is a result of sin. Jesus did not have to go to the cross because of every hair follicle that dies on the top of my head. Correct. So I would compare insecurity to that. There are all of these things inside of us that are broken Mm -hmm. and Sin done to us sometimes takes an already resident brokenness and shatters it even more. Sure. I think the question for us is when we are aware of the social insecurities, what do we do with them? There are some insecurities relationally that are really legit. If I am married to somebody who's threatening divorce over me, right. that is an insecurity that that should be there. I should not yeah, have it's a security not a sin there. To- to feel that way. Totally. And so is it a sin for a Christian to have insecurities? It depends. Relationally, sometimes they're really expected, but then there are a handful of people. And, and I'll say I have been in, in a place of relational insecurity in my life multiple times because of sin inside of me where I'm looking at my wife and I'm thinking, does she love me or am I good enough? You know, all these mm-hmm. dumb things right. that people have. And I, I bring these resident insecurities. The question for me is what do I do with them? Do I place them before what I know is the character of my wife? And by the way, I think these are mostly insecurities in like our first two years of marriage. You know, all the conflict that comes up in that time. Maybe not (laughs) you. You probably had a perfect first year of marriage. I'm just thinking what you just said. In 34 years into the marriage, we, my wife and I, still struggle sometimes with our own insecurities. Yeah, And 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 it's just something that we acknowledge. Okay. All right. This is going to be with us for a while. That's because of what we bring to the table. Right. And a lot of that is not necessarily decisions we've made, but things that people have done to us Mm -hmm. or context that we grew up in that are not perfect and do facilitate brokenness inside of us. But here's the question. When we're dealing with those kind of relational insecurities, what do we do when we realize them? What do we do when I am bringing to the table something that is false, not true, and harmful to the dynamic? Because I have have done that often. My wife has never done it. She's she's perfect. (laughs) She is. But what do I do with those things when I realize that they're there? And the the hard thing about insecurities is that we like to feed them Mm -hmm. because sin inside of us also, another level of brokenness. That's right wants to feed brokenness. The DNA of sin is selfishness and DNA loves to consume health and it loves to foster complaining and grumbling and self-loathing. That's kind of just what it does. If it had a brain and a life, it would always be attacking gratitude Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and health and it would be creating unhealth. Yeah. The answer to this question is it depends. It depends depends on why a person is insecure. I immediately go to what did Paul say about his own insecurity? 1 Corinthians 2, 3, he says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power. And he says to them, hey, when I came to you originally, I didn't come to you with boldness. I I came to you as a real person Mm -hmm. with insecurities. With trembling. With trembling. He feared. 
Yep. And now, what did he fear? We don't really know. What, what could happen to my with? body? What yeah. will they think of me? Will they reject me? Will well, they kick me out of the, the city? Guy like beaten, every other place, you know, you know, for sharing Christ in other cities. Understandably, like he does not have security or confidence in their response to him, and he loves them. And to not have that confidence, right, with a group of people you love, which this group of people is the hope for the rest of the city, knowing about Jesus and having their eternities changed. That's a hard context to not have security. And he brought those insecurities to the table and said, God. Here's my junk. Right. Use me anyway. And he acknowledged that he had insecurities when yep. he came to them. When we own it and say, you know what? This is natural. You acknowledge that you are a broken person. You're not perfect. You need Christ. You need his spirit in you, working yep. in you to perfect you, to be more like Christ. Acknowledge that. But then there goes a step further where you embrace that insecurity and you actually relish in your insecurity or you wallow in your insecurity yeah. and say, well, I'm just not good enough or I'm, I'm not, you know, enough. I'm not as no good as someone else. Me. No one will love me. Yep. When we compare ourselves to others or when we demean ourselves or wallow in our insecurity, what we've done is we've taken our insecurity and out of selfishness, yep. we've taken our eyes off of Christ and the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to work in us take our insecurities and redeem them and say, you know what? Here's a perfect example. I know a person that really has a hard time speaking in public. Sometimes they stutter. Acknowledge it. I struggle with this. I am going to do the very best I can. I may never totally overcome this problem and never overcome complete insecurity. And I'm going to let God take it. And when you acknowledge insecurity, you take its power away. Yeah. It may still affect you because you have, we'll just say, brain patterns and pathways and psychological effects that endure sure. that sometimes we can't always control. So, for example, stuttering may be the result of anxiety. Right. Um, and it, it may not even be something you're feeling right now, but your brain already has a pathway yep. that does that. So you might even have the effects of insecurity but not have the heart of insecurity. Right. And that is a that's a normal thing. Now, as pastors, I'll speak for me. Not all, but the majority of people that I counsel come with this kind of insecurity. I am less than what I need to be or what I wish I was. With pastors, this is interesting because I, maybe if you're a pastor listening to this, I just have a word for you. And that would be most pastors I deal with are afraid of letting people know their insecurities. Let them know that. Yes. So they overcompensate. Yeah. Which when you see somebody overcompensating, that's just that's another sinful way of yes. dealing with insecurity. And 20 years ago, the pastor could be the Bible answer man and the guy who has it all together. And culturally, I, I get it. Culturally, it was actually dangerous for some pastors to let the church know yeah, the some reality churches of their would life. not allow their pastor to be yeah. human. So they had to overcompensate. And again, I think those are cultural things that were not necessarily conscious decisions, but just basically what the culture demanded mm -hmm. of a lot of people. I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying that a lot of times we're in cultures and we don't even realize right. how it affects us. For any pastor to succeed in the emerging generation in America of non-Christians and Christians, if we're going to make an impact on the next generation, we must lead out of transparency and vulnerability. Exactly. And if we don't, if we come across as the people who have it all together, then we will fail to connect with the next generation. And so pastorally, I would just say to anybody who wants to be a spiritual leader, your influence is contingent on your ability to be transparent and yeah. vulnerable. And acknowledge your insecurity, work through those insecurities, give yep. those to Christ, and model what Paul just said yep. to the Corinthians. Even in this podcast, the Village Church Q&A podcast, we're going to answer all your questions 
No, you and me. We're doing the best we can. We've also had multiple years of education. We have studied and taught the Bible sure. more than most. If we were rocket scientists who had that kind of education, <laughs> we would be more skilled at answering questions about rocket scientists than non-rocket scientists. Sure. And, and by and large, because of 40 or 50 collective years of pastoral ministry between you and me, uh, 55, I think, and then on top of that, our education, there is a, a basis that we can open up scripture and we can right. process this, and that's fine. But there's a difference between saying we do have more education and experience, particularly in biblical questions, sure. than yeah. most people, but that does not mean we have all the answers. That's right. We still don't have all the answers. And how many times do you and I sit there and we're like, I don't know. What do you yeah, I don't know. I don't have a clue. That's I, a good I don't, question. Yeah, how do we answer this question? Stumped me. But if I have to be the guy who has the perfect answer, for every question. Well, and honestly, I feel like most of the time what we're trying to do is say, okay, good question. Let's build a worldview and framework mm -hmm. that allows us to address it. But you and I and every leader on the planet, pastor, deacon, ministry director, community group leader, we lead out of our, our transparent reality of life. Yeah. If we're broken, we lead out of it. If we are being healed, we lead out of that. If, sure. if we are in a place of health, we lead out of that. If there's a sin struggle, we lead out of it. And of course, we use wisdom and discernment with who and when and where and why and how we talk about it. But if we hide it, everyone will see through it. Now, Oh, yeah. People are not blind. No. They can see oh my someone trying to overcompensate or not acknowledge the weaknesses that they have in certain areas. Yeah. So is it a sin? I like your answer. Depends. Depends. Like, like the diapers. Yeah, it depends. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's let's close and uh, we'll just make a simple Okay, election prediction. day. Election day. What are we going to predict? Right. I, I have a hunch that it's going to be really, really, really tight. Yeah. But Hillary is going to take the electoral map. You think so? I do. But I would not be surprised if there is negative turnout and ambition on the Democrats' side just because of the scope of discouragement. And if this does not, we'll say, excite the Republican base to get out and vote. that that Those are the unknowns. What mm -hmm. has the last five days done for the base? Are there going to be Republicans who were wishy-washy and frustrated, but now that they've seen this and kind of the corruption of Hillary, which is getting more and more clear, they're like, you know what? I was ambivalent, but now I'd rather have Trump than Hillary. Or is that just not enough because of Trump's stupidity yeah. and how he has handled really the last year of this campaign mm, and right. his rhetoric? Yeah. Right now, unless there's a new development, Hillary sweeps by and large. She gets the majority, although I think the popular vote's going to be going to be pretty even. I'm going to say that it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a lot closer than what the polls are saying right now. Yeah, right now, some polls put Trump ahead in the popular vote. Yes. But the electoral map has Hillary yeah. winning. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. I would not be surprised if there is not some scandal like we had a few years ago with the hanging chads. Yeah. I would not be surprised if it goes down to that. Yep. I'm going to make this prediction as a Calvinist. Whoever is elected is one that God has ordained. That's a good one. So who's your prediction? I'm not, this has nothing to do with who you're voting for at okay. all. It's just a prediction. I think Trump is going to pull it out by a hair, by okay. a fine, fine. Electorally fine. or popular vote? I would not be surprised if he doesn't win the popular vote mm -hmm. and lose the electoral vote. That's what I think is going to happen. I think that's right what's going to happen. Yep. And that's where the Republican states, I think, are going to get massive turnout. And the more Democratic states, the Republicans are going to probably stay home a little more. Yeah. That's what I would guess. But- you know, everybody, if you agree with me, you should go vote. If you disagree with me, then stay home. That's my that's my <laughs> view, personally. And now that you all know who I'm voting for. And me. That's right. Way to be vulnerable. Well, listeners, thanks for joining us today. Go out and vote and be sure to come back tomorrow when we answer another question, which is, what is a church plant? <laughs>
Village Church is planting a church. I'm Barack Obama, and I approve this message.